0: Hey, this is Drew Blackston, founder of Anchor Movement. Together with my wife, Valerie, we want to invite you to join us on our podcast as we discover more of God together. We founded Anchor Movement on Hebrews 619, which says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. We hope this message drops an anchor into your soul and propels you towards the destiny that God has for you. If our message inspires you, we encourage you to rate and share with your friends and family. Thank you for tuning in to today's Anchor Movement Podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into the Anchor Movement Podcast. My name is Drew Blackston. I'm excited that you have joined me today. We're going to continue in our Fear of series. This is the same series that we have been in. Since March, really. I mean, uh, the Lord put it on our heart to start talking about fear once this COVID-19 pandemic started, and, and really because of what we saw. We saw fear on the news and fear in social media. We saw fear uh, on the radio, anywhere you were, in every conversation we were having with, whether that was family or friends or even our own lives, there was a lot of fear that was kind of overwhelming uh, each part of life. And so we really felt like God wanted us to to start studying fear and start teaching our listeners and our, our Anchor Movement followers about fear. And really, it kind of started back in 2019 when I was listening to uh, one of my favorite athletes. He was at a church and he was speaking and he said, you know, my biggest fear is not accomplishing what God has put me on this planet for. And And that really kind of surprised me that, that he would say something like that, that my biggest fear... Is not accomplishing what, what God has put me on this planet for, and 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 I I I've, I thought of that as a you know almost like an oxymoron that you know fear and God don't go together uh, because Second Timothy one seven says for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. But as I prayed about it, I just kept t- I just kept feeling God saying keep studying, keep studying. And what I found was is that that is that God doesn't give us fear. You know, Second Timothy one seven says, "For God does not give us the spirit of fear, but God will use fear to shape and to mold us." And, and oftentimes, our fears will show us where we don't trust God. You know, the most or where we don't trust Him enough. You know, you might have a fear of running out of money, especially during, you know, COVID-19, but you say, okay, do I trust God to supply all of my needs? There might be a fear of, of death. You know, I have a fear of catching this coronavirus and dying, but then you say, okay, do I trust God to take care of my health and also to take care of my future? You know, so my question now doesn't necessarily say—my question becomes more, you know, where do I need to trust God more? That's kind of what I've been trying to figure out is, okay, if there's fear in my life, whether that's because of coronavirus or if that's because of work or if that's because of whatever, you know— Where do I need to trust God more? It's not so much of how do I get rid of this, but it's how do I use this fear in order to shape and mold my walk with Christ and to get more strength or more trust in him, I used the example of, of a bench press a couple podcasts ago. When we bench press in our situations, then that helps us strengthen ourselves going forward, right? You don't go to the gym, you do a couple bench presses, and then you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, it, it takes time. You bench press and you bench press and you bench press and years and years and years of practice, and then you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so it's the same thing in our own lives. We're going to continue to have this walk. And as we're walking in life, we're taking certain situations and when fear or distrust or whatever comes up, that's when we can look at ourselves and say, okay, God, I'm having trouble trusting you in this situation. Can you help me? Show me. I feel anxious. I feel fear. How can I trust you more in this situation? This brings me back to where we started. My biggest fear and 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 when I was listening to this this athlete at this church, he said, my biggest fear is not accomplishing what God has put me on this earth to do And so to me that equates to my biggest fear is failing right and I think we've all been there that we've had this fear of failure and it's not necessarily um, in his case, maybe he was talking about his fear of failing in in the destiny that God's called him to but I think we've all experienced this in the sense of, You know, maybe we have a fear of failing our parents, you know, or maybe we have a fear of failing at school or athletics. You know, for me, um, I've worked for my dad and I've also played uh, college baseball. I've played baseball my entire life. And in both situations, I had this fear of failure in baseball. It's really you when you're at when you're up to bat, when you're standing at the plate, it's you versus the pitcher. And there's a little bit of a fear of failure because you're trying to say, it's kind of mono mano who's going to win in this, right? Is the pitcher going to strike you out or are you going to be able to, to get on base? And, and there becomes this, um, as a hitter, if you get into a situation where you haven't got a you know a, a many hits or you've struck out a few times in a row, now you become this fear of failing. Am I going to continue to fail? Am I ever going to get a hit? I know that when I was working for my dad... In um, in the in the financial industry, there was a fear of failing him, and it was never anything that he put on me, but it was always something I put on myself. Where I said, okay, um, you know, as the son, I feel like I have to live up to his image or to how he is doing, because my dad is a fantastic financial planner, and so I would look at it and I would say, okay, I don't want to fail him because I am the son, and so there was a little bit of a fear of failure there and i think too you know we can have a fear of failure to our kids you know am i am i the dad that god wants me to be i mean you know you during coronavirus us being locked up and in quarantine i mean Valerie and i are just trying to figure out things to do with the kids and sometimes that's sometimes that you know that brings out the worst in us because we get to this place where we're like i don't know what i'm going to do and i feel like i'm failing my kids because i'm not Doing enough with them, or we're watching too much TV, or I end up yelling at them because you know I get frustrated at a, You know how they're they're just all all energy all the time, and that and that's great, and I'm I'm thankful for that. But you know I feel like I'm failing my kids sometimes, and there's a fear of okay, am I going to continue to do this every day, or or am I going to do this the next day? Um, and I think there's fear, fear of failure when it comes to your spouse, you know, and a husband and a wife, and, and you're a team in this. And you know, whether that's financial failure or that's relational failure, how are we, how are we working together? Are we going to, you know, there's this fear of are we going to fail in this? I mean, 50% of marriages in America and in the church end in divorce, and I think there's a big fear um, out there of of not being able to finish a marriage, a fear of failure. You know, to me as well, I think there's a big fear of failure to God. And that's what this this athlete was talking about when I was listening to him at a church. He said, I fear failing what God has put me on this planet to do. And I think we all have that that inner conversation where we're saying, okay, God, what's your purpose for my life? What's your will? And, and we don't want to get to the end and, and think, oh, my gosh, did I miss what I was called to do. There's a certain aspect of fear of failure, and, and, and what I want to do today is really try to put to bed any type of fear of failure in our lives, because there, for the rest of our lives, there's going to be moments where we fail. There's going to be moments where we make mistakes. There's going to be moments where we, you know, we sin, to be quite honest, and and God has given us a road to repentance through the, through the cross of Jesus Christ, but I don't want us to get so hung up on the fear of failing that we don't push forward into what God has called us to do. Because in my own life, I have seen where I've gone down paths that I should not have gone down. I have done things that I should not have done, but God has brought me back to right where He wants me. And I believe that if we will just continue to seek God, you know, the Bible says, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. If we continue to seek, to knock, to listen, to pray, I believe we're going to be at the end where God has called us to be, but this fear of failure can really kind of trip us up or even hold us back from where God is calling us. And, and I want to look in the book of Nehemiah today, and this is a really cool book. I mean, Nehemiah, if you've not read Nehemiah, and I haven't studied Nehemiah as much until I was preparing for this, but if you read the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah... The man. He he was a boss. I mean, he was somebody that I want to mirror myself after when it comes to just living life. Nehemiah was a man who, who was on a mission, he didn't let anybody distract him from that mission. And, and to be quite honest, he basically just put his hand up and said, I'm not listening to you, I'm not listening to my haters, I'm not going to listen to my enemies, I'm just going to keep doing what God has called me to do. And people would, would say things about him, they threaten him, and he just kept moving forward. And, and that's really what I think we can apply to our own life, Through what Nehemiah went through. Now, here's some context Nehemiah, he is a Jew and and he's in captivity in Babylon. The Babylonians came in with King Nebuchadnezzar and they took all the Jews out of Israel. And Nehemiah is now working in the king's court. And he's in the king's court, and the the king is um, Artaxerxes, and he's in the king's court. And the king, Artaxerxes, is letting the Jews go back to Israel. And he's letting them go back to, to, to Judah and, and to rebuild their cities and their temples. And, and when, when his brother comes back, Nehemiah asks him a question. He says, how's Israel looking? You know, what's, what's going on? Is the city being rebuilt? And that's really where we're going to pick up today. And that's in Nehemiah 1, 2 through 4, and Nehemiah 2, 3 through 5. So Nehemiah 1, let's start there. And 2-4. through Actually, let's start in... uh, We'll just start right at the beginning. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susan. Now, that's Nehemiah. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity, captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, "'Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah.'" They are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to God. I'll skip down to chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. And now Nehemiah is, is serving King Artaxerxes, and he's in his court, And the king said, so the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? So Nehemiah, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Nehemiah says this. He said, then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Now think about This is some context here. Nehemiah's brother comes back from Judah and says, Listen, the walls... The gates are torn down. Now, in ancient times, the walls and the gates are what protected cities. The walls are what protected the city from invaders. The gates of the cities were all the businesses was was done. This is where you had um, the court system was done. A lot of deals were made in the gates. So essentially what Nehemiah's brother was saying is like, we have no protection and we have no fiscal anything, right? Our economy stinks. Our walls are torn down. We can't even protect ourselves. Our economy's not moving along. The people are poor. And, and that's really when Nehemiah hears that, and he is distraught because he's thinking back to his hometown. He's thinking to back to the place where the presence of God is. And he's in, in his mind, he's saying they can't protect themselves and they can't have an economy. You know, they, don't, they, don't, they can't have any trade. There's no, there's no business going on because the gates are destroyed and the walls are down. And, and, and so Nehemiah is just torn because of this. He is just, I mean, in deep, deep sorrow because of this. But, but here's what happened. When he heard from his brother what was going on, a little seed was planted in Nehemiah. And what that seed was, was his mission. And so I want to give you three thoughts to help you today to push through your fear of failure. And the first starts with finding your mission. You know, and just like Nehemiah, we all have a mission on this planet. And sometimes that mission evolves, right, when we're younger, in our teenage years and in our college years, that mission's different than when we're in our 40s and our 50s and we have children and then we have grown children. But finding our mission is something that will keep us from, from really living in that fear of a failure. And here, here's some thoughts. This is kind of God gave me some ideas on how to find your mission. And, and here, here are some questions to ask yourselves. What moves you? You know, what moves your heart? Right? When you're watching TV and you see, you know, a, a commercial about children who are maybe starving in another country, what does that move you? Is that something you say, you know, I can I want to help there? Or you know, when you're driving down the road and and you see you know, broken down buildings or something. Or do you say oh, I want to help in the community? This is where I really this is this is what moves me. What what moves you? Um, another question to ask yourself: Where is God using you right now? Where are you being used right now? Maybe your mission. You're looking for a mission, but you're not realizing that your mission is now. You know, for me especially during COVID, this has been something that I've had to really focus on in my own life because I look around and and some of the things that I used to do have been taken away, like going to an office, um, helping people with their finances, um, doing daily things to to grow a business. That's been taken away because now we're at home. A lot of things have been on a a lot of uh, businesses on the phone or it's in Zoom. So every day I'm at home and I'm saying, okay, what's my mission now on the work side? Well, when I look around, where is God using you now? I see my wife and I see my two children and I think, okay, there's my mission. That's what I'm supposed to do today. Maybe I'm not as busy today as I was a year ago being in the office, but I know that my mission can be, okay, I can help people with their finances, but I also can help feed my daughter's breakfast that I didn't get to do a year ago, right? Or, you know, I can help my wife with nap time, something I didn't get to do A year ago. So, where's your mission? It's evolved. Where is God using you now? What keeps showing itself to you? What keeps popping up? You know, is there something that keeps popping up every time you maybe turn on the TV or you're out driving or you're talking to a friend? What keeps popping up in your heart, maybe in your prayer time? You know that might be your mission. It might be, you know, again, it could be something local. We have a neighbor who lives across the street, and um, she's an older woman, and, and she's going through cancer, and and it just seems like every time she needs something, every time she needs help, it seems like God puts me outside, and I don't know, I don't know how that works. Uh, just the other day, uh, our garbage gets picked up, and she was outside, and she has a lot. Of, she has trouble getting her garbage can inside. and And that day, for some reason, I hadn't taken the dogs out to, to use the restroom at the normal time. I'd waited about an hour, and I got out there, and there she was, and she said, "Hey, can you help me with my garbage cans?" And that was just another way God put me in the right place at the right time. And, you know, that might be a mission for us. My wife and I have helped her, you know, paint her mailbox and, you know, get sticks out of her yard and stuff. That's something that God keeps showing it to to, to us. And it's just a little thing of how we can help somebody. You know, size doesn't matter. Your mission is where you are currently. There might be a mission for the future and a vision for the future, but God's going to use you right where you are and see how you handle that before He keeps pushing you, pushing you forward. Now, number two. So let's go to Nehemiah 4. So remember, number one is find your mission. Find your mission. Number two, understand this. Opposition, it's going to come. It's going to get heated. What we're saying around our household right now, my wife and I, we've been saying the struggle is real. Opposition will come. Nehemiah 4, 1 through 2 says this. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were, build, we were rebuilding the wall. This is Nehemiah, he's recording this. He's saying, this guy's ticked that we're rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build a wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? What was Sambalat doing? He was mocking the mission of Nehemiah. Nehemiah had gone home and and the king had said, yes, go build your walls, go do your thing. And, And Nehemiah was working. And all through his working, this guy named Sambalat saw him, and, and And really, the Samaritans and the Jews did not have a good relationship. So when the, when the Samaritans saw the Jews rebuilding the walls, he knew what was happening. He knew that this great city that was destroyed, they're building these walls so they can protect each other. And, they, and that means there's going to be some conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. And Sambalat didn't like that. And he was trying to intimidate and mock what the Jews were doing. But keep in mind, people are going to mock you when they don't understand your mission or they can't understand what God's trying to do. If, if people don't see or understand your vision, a lot of times they're going to mock you. But when people are scared of your vision, they're going to try to intimidate you. Now, let me say that one more time. If people don't see or understand your vision, a lot of times they'll mock you. But when, you, when people are scared of your vision, they'll try to intimidate you or stop you. you know, Think about Jesus, right? Jesus had this big vision. He was going to teach people how to live. He was going to go to the cross. And he had the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees, they, first they mocked him because they, they thought he was a fool. They thought he was an idiot. But then they got scared of him and they wanted to kill him. And they eventually did, right? Think about Judas in his inner circle. Judas was the same way. Judas thought this was all going to go well, and then he, in turn, brought opposition to Jesus, and Peter did the same thing. So opposition is going to come when people don't understand or see your vision. That's usually when they're going to mock you, but when they're scared of you, when they're scared of your vision, when they're scared of what you're doing, that's when they're going to try to intimidate you to stop you from what you're doing. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is a great example as well. At the beginning of his civil rights, he was made fun of a lot. And then they started to see that he was making inroads and impacts. And so it started to scare people. And, you know, it eventually it got him killed. But, but, but we're living in a world today because he did not stop because of intimidation or because of people mocking him. Um, let's go to Nehemiah 4, 6 real quick, because I really like how Nehemiah answers Sambalat. And I think this is something that we all need to look at when we are trying to accomplish our mission and opposition comes. It says this in Nehemiah 4.6, At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. What did the opposition do to Nehemiah and those working with him? They just worked with with enthusiasm and determination. They just kept working, and that's what we need to keep doing. We just need to keep working. And this is what Nehemiah said when Sanballat kept coming to him and kept coming to him. He said, This, they're just trying to intimidate us, imagining they can discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. I love that. Nehemiah is a boss. He said, You can't stop me. He said, You're going to intimidate me. You're going to mock me. Well, I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm going to keep doing what God's called me to do. Um, A great example of this Steve Jobs, when he was fired from Apple. Uh, He was he was fired. You know he he took his company public. He created Apple, and the board of directors ended up firing him because they didn't like the direction of Apple. And you know he could have just rested on that. He could have taken his money and ran. But he was really he actually created Pixar in the in the midst of being fired. He created Pixar, and he ended up selling Pixar to Disney for seven point four billion dollars. Now. Opposition came to Steve Jobs, but how he handled the opposition brought $7.4 billion into the the equation because of of continuing to move forward even in the opposition. Number three, so number one, we're going to find our mission. Number two, keep in mind, opposition is going to come, but we got to keep working hard even in the midst of our opposition. And number three, and and I've talked a little bit about this in number two with opposition will come, but number three, keep building. Nehemiah 6 15 says this. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Now, isn't that cool? For 52 days, they worked on that that wall. They didn't care about what people were saying. They didn't care about who was coming against them. They kept working. Why? Why? they realized this work had been done with the help of their God. And here's what I want you to to realize in the middle of this. Stay focused on your mission. Remember, we talked about this at the very beginning. we got to find our mission. No matter what that is, whether it's big, small, medium, if it's a long-term mission, a short-term mission, stay focused on your mission. Nehemiah knew his mission was from God. Nehemiah knew he didn't need approval from anybody else to accomplish his mission. He knew what God had put in his heart. God had moved him from the very beginning when he heard that the walls and the gates were destroyed. And what did he do? He just kept building. He didn't care if he had to build with a knife in his hand or a sword in his hand to make sure he fended off the fenders. He just kept building. And and, and, and when I played sports, people used to say, just keep showing Up. If you just keep showing up, you're eventually going to be the last one standing. And that's the same thing with Nehemiah. Just keep building. Just keep showing up. Keep building, keep building, keep building. John Maxwell says it like this He says, 90% of all those who fail are not actually defeated, they simply quit. You know, the fear of failure, I believe that many, just like John Maxwell said, we mainly quit instead of failing. If we would just keep building, if we would just keep moving forward, if we would just keep showing up, even if we didn't accomplish what we thought we were going to accomplish, we're going to get to where God has called us to be. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says it like this, and this is Paul. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. He says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first Possessed me. He says, I remember what it was like when, when when Jesus first showed up to me on the road to Damascus. He knocked me off my horse or off my donkey or whatever he was riding. He says, I know what it was like. He said, no, dear brothers or sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus this on this one thing. He said, I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. And I press on to, end, to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul's saying, listen, I've done a lot of good things. I have achieved a lot, but I'm not going to look at that. I forget the past, and I move forward, and I keep building. I keep moving with momentum towards my mission. And my prayer for you today is that you'll continue to push forward in whatever God has called you to do. Don't let the fear of failure stop you. (sighs) from accomplishing what God wants for your life. You know, in my own life, there's been moments um, being really candid, especially during this coronavirus, where I have felt, um, I don't want to say depressed, but just emotionally drained, emotionally. Like, I don't want to move forward. You know, if every day is going to look like Groundhog Day, this is really... Not the way I want to live my life. And, and I really had to refocus myself and say, okay, what is my mission in this world? What is my mission? What has God called me to do? Whether I am locked up in my house because of COVID or, or if it's a free-for-all and we can go do whatever we want, what is my mission in life? You know, what's the Great Commission? To go into all the world preach the gospel, right? That's what Jesus said. He said, go into all the world. Maybe that's through, you know, the, the Internet like we're doing now. Maybe it's through, you know, serving your wife or your kids or your husband. Or maybe it's through volunteering at church or dropping off food or whatever that might mean. But we need to continue to look and find our mission. And that would be my encouragement for you today. No matter where you're at, no matter where you are in the world, find your mission and keep building. Don't give up in this season. Don't give up in any season. Just keep building. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for today and this time that we've had together. Thank you so much for the story of Nehemiah that that we can look at 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 a situation where a man knew his mission was from you and just kept building. He kept focused on what you had called him to do. So Father, I ask that you would help us to do that, to stay focused on what you've called us to do, to stay focused on the mission that's in front of us, whether that's big, small, whatever that might be, to stay focused on where you've got us. Lord, we thank you that Jesus was focused on his mission, that he was focused on the cross because he knew it was coming after it. And we ask that that resurrection power that's in him would empower us to do the same. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. God bless.